Welcome, welcome to Cinema Wellman. I'm your host, David, and today we're going to do something completely different uh, because I'm going to be talking about a play today. Uh, I am by no means a theater goer, but I have been fortunate enough to see some excellent live performances over the years. I've seen Hair, Les Miserables, Wait Until Dark, The Dire Van Frank, with a then 16-year-old Natalie Portman in the title role, uh, Mamma Mia, Beauty and the Beast, and Hello, Dolly. Possibly with Ethel Merman. Can't verify that. Um, since Dakota and Hannah were part of the drama clubs at school after we moved to New Jersey, I've attended many shows at that level as well, including The King and I, Cats, Chicago, Greece, and the wonderful Aladdin Jr., Great genie in that fantastic performance. It's been an awful long time since I've attended live theater. As a matter of fact, my ticket database tells me that the last show I attended was March 23rd, 2013, when I saw City of Angels at Eastern High School. That long drought ended last weekend when Dakota took me to a great adventure into New York City. We went to the Golden Theater on West 45th Street to see The Shark is Broken. You may have noticed that when I was reeling off the list of plays and musicals, I've seen that almost all of them have a movie counterpart, so it's no surprise that The Shark is Broken is about a notoriously troubled movie shoot, and that movie happens to be one of Cinema Wellman's all-time favorites, Jaws. The Shark is Broken is a first-hand account of sorts <laughs> of what it was like to be part of the making of one of the greatest thrillers of all time. The play is co-written by Joseph Nixon and Ian Shaw. Shaw is the son of Robert Shaw, who played Quint in Jaws. Ian Shaw stars as his father. Two-time Tony Award nominee Alex Brightman plays Richard Dreyfus, and Colin Donnell plays Roy Scheider. It's a three-man show in a one-set play, and it kept me immersed and submerged for the entire 95 minutes. No intermission, but Dakota and I agreed we prefer it that way. If you're a regular here at Cinema Wellman, you are aware of our Jaws love. Uh, it's, 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 all over, it's all over the set. You may also remember that Dakota took me to an outdoor screening of the film with the music provided by a live symphony orchestra. And that, that remains one of my all-time favorite movie memories. When she called me several months ago and asked if I had heard of this show, my response was, yes, when are we going? I was very thankful that Lucas drove us to Hoboken, New Jersey, and I was also thankful that Dakota knew her way around all the trains and walking navigation to get us back and forth. I am not good with any of that stuff, and I, I am now officially leaving that to the kids who know. So, Dakota, Lucas, Hannah, Quinn, Brian, Megan, Orlando, <laughs> Allison, I am your, you will take me places. I'm not going anywhere anymore without you taking me there. Um, after briefly waiting in line to get in, we entered the John Golden Theater. Originally named the Theater Mask, it opened in 1927 with the show Puppets of Passion. I am not going to that. Uh, the name of the theater was later changed from the Theater Mask to 
the Mask Theater before becoming the Golden in 1937. Both its facade and auditorium interior are designated as New York City landmarks, deservedly so, I'd say, as both are stunning. Our seats were in the balcony, so as we emerged from the uh, stairs and we could see the stage, I was a bit surprised to see the set. I was expecting this to see a curtain for some reason, but was pleased to see a large cutaway of Quint's boat, the Orca. Behind the boat was a projection of an ocean sky, complete with squawking seagulls along the horizon. The stage surrounding the Orca looked like ocean water, giving the illusion of the boat being afloat somewhere out in the Atlantic. At one point during the play, Dreyfus has had it with Shaw's drinking and grabs his bottle from him, tossing it overboard. A few seconds later, we see it floating off stage in the projected ocean. The effects were absolutely perfect, and it added to the overall experience. As I sat mesmerized by the ocean and the sky that really weren't there, Dakota and I were approached by an usher who asked, if, asked us if we'd like a seat upgrade. The usher had already asked a group of women near us who declined for unknown reasons that were later discussed and debated. Dakota thinks the women didn't quite understand what the usher was offering. Frankly, neither did I. So once again, happy that Dee was there to help explain things to me. Not a gigantic upgrade. Uh, not a Kaz and I at the old giant stadium to see the dead with Jerry upgrade, but a nice upgrade nonetheless. The new seats gave us an even better look at the set, and we were sitting stage left, and that gave us a good look at one of the props, one of the yellow barrels from the original film. I loved that there was a 1975 playlist playing before the play started, including The Night Chicago Died. I was a captive audience, and I could not press skip. Dakota and I quickly debated whether or not we'd see a shark of any kind. We got our answer right away when the ominously familiar theme began, and we saw a fin in the water. The theme then came to a slogging halt as the fin smoked and sank beneath the surface. I loved this play before even so one of the actors take the stage. When they did take the stage, I was hypnotized. I love movies, but there's really nothing like seeing a live performance. And it's it's an entirely different experience. Since this live performance was about one of my favorite movies of all time, you can understand how I became pleasantly lost in what I was seeing happen in front of me. Colin Donnell was excellent as Roy Scheider. As I've mentioned many times, Roy Scheider has always reminded me of my dad. And if my dad was on that boat with Robert Shaw and Richard Dreyfus, I'm sure he'd try to do what Scheider tried to do. Um, it's what I'd try to do if I found myself in a confined space with two volatile personalities. And that's to try to keep the peace. That must have been an absolute nightmare experience for Roy Scheider. I've read books about the making of this movie, so nothing I saw in the play was a big surprise. That took nothing away from my experience. As a matter of fact, I was kind of proud of myself for getting all of the inside jokes about screenwriter Carl Gottlieb, uncredited screenwriter John Milius, all of the mechanical issues with Bruce the Shark, uh, Spielberg's issues with being a green director, and Shaw's tax issues. 
Alex Brightman was tremendous as Richard Dreyfus. I was not familiar with his work, but Dakota knew that he was Tony nominated for playing Beetlejuice in Beetlejuice, the musical, and for playing Dewey Finn in School of Rock, uh, the musical, I guess that was called. <laughs> Brightman perfectly captured how I perceived Dreyfus at this point in his career. Suffering from low self-esteem and substance abuse, Brightman's Dreyfus is always a minute away from a meltdown, but he usually rescues himself from that by using his wit and sense of humor as a coping mechanism. This is both a funny and gut-wrenching performance. Well done. And those Tony Awards, I wish I could see both of those plays now. Uh, Ian Shaw looks and sounds so much like his late father that in scenes in which he was alone and speaking in monologue, I actually felt like I was watching Robert on stage. This is a very brave project for Ian since he had to read his father's drinking journals to get a better perspective and insight into what his dad was going through at the time. Uh, That couldn't have been easy reading for Ian, uh, but the final result is absolutely brilliant. I got a kick out of how the script was peppered with dialogue that becomes very funny when taken in the context of today. My favorite example of that was when the trio was discussing the legacy of the film they were currently not working on. Dreyfus asks, is anyone thinking this is going to be good enough to get a sequel? And uh, Scheider scoffs. Um, I'm paraphrasing here. He says, a sequel? How could there be a sequel? What happens? Another shark shows up at the same guy's beach? That's ridiculous. I'll tell you one thing. If there's a sequel, I'm not going to be in it. Roy Scheider was in Joys too. Jaws too. three years later. They also talk about the fact that there will never be a more corrupt or immoral president than Richard Nixon. And Shaw goes on and on about how in the future, every movie is going to be a sequel or a remake or a sequel to a remake or a remake of a sequel. Sucks to be so prescient. It was amazing to hear them discuss the film they were making as they were making it. As a film fan, I've often wondered if the cast and crew know that they're making magic or if they have no idea. I worked on one movie for two and a half months and it's yet to be released, so I have no clue what that's all about. My favorite discussion revolves around what each of them think the movie is really about. That was fun to watch, even though I knew what Shaw's punchline answer was. I was so happy that Shaw's Indianapolis speech was prominently featured. Ian included a scene in which his father is frustrated with the script and its length. When given permission to rewrite it, Shaw does. He then convinces Spielberg he can do it drunk. Spielberg allows this, and it's a disaster. The play ends with a sober and apologetic Shaw delivering one of the best monologues in film history before the film on the horizon runs out and the lights dim. But not before we see that shooting star darting across the sky. This was an amazing experience, and I'm so thankful that I'm able to add it to my JAWS file. An obvious shout-out to Dakota for seeing the issues her father has with this movie, understanding them, and continuing to chum the waters 
for new Jaws experiences for us to explore. Jaws turns 50 603 days from today. Yes, I know that. Dakota and I have already planned to see it together on the big screen for that golden or silver whatever anniversary it is. I will be smuggling in Narragansetts. That is for sure. Well, that's a wrap from Cinema Wellman's brief switch from screen to stage. I loved it and was reminded of how magical live theater is, and I'm looking forward to seeing more shows in the future. Seek out live theater wherever you can and patronize the arts. On the film side, join us next week as we recap the month of October. It's the end of the month, so it's time for Cinema Wellman's Best and Worst of the month of October. And we hope you join us for that. And until then, take care.